Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, from me too. Um, as Jeff said, my name's Julian. I'm the pastor. I'm going to be leading us as we pray now, and also as we open God's Word in just a moment. Uh, we're going to do exactly what we just sung. Uh, we're going to come to God with our pleas and our requests, uh, and entrust them now to Him. So let me lead you as we come to Him in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've just sung, it is a good thing that we're able to come to you, uh, even in the twists and turns and difficulties of life, and are able to cry out to you, uh, knowing that you hear us, knowing that you are our Saviour and our Father, uh, and being able to trust that not only do you hear us, but you delight in answering our prayers, for you are with us and you desire good for us. And so, Father, we want to pray this morning uh, for our church family. Father, we pray for those uh, amongst us who are going through trials uh, and difficulties at this time. Lord, we think of those who are wrestling with unseen uh, issues and unknown uh, things, whether it be illness, uh, whether it be strain at work or in family life, whether it be mental illnesses and anxiety and stress. Father, you know who uh, wrestles in this way and we pray that uh, the knowledge of your presence would be a great hope and great security uh, in this time. Father, may they find peace in entrusting their burdens to you and in knowing that you are with them uh, and walking alongside them. Father, we pray that uh, we would be a church community that is supportive and understanding uh, to those who are struggling in this way uh, that we can walk these paths together, encouraging and helping and supporting one another. Father, we want to pray also for those uh, who are isolated or limited uh, by age or illness uh, or injury. Lord, we think of Mrs Campus, of Tinny Diong, uh, Monica, Michael and Liz, Jacob and Gloria and Jackie. Father, we know that they would love to be here uh, and yet are unable uh, with health issues or limitations of age. We thank you uh, that even though they can't be with us uh, in body, uh, that they're still part of our church family and an important part of our church family. Father, may they remember that, uh, that even though they can't be here, they still belong, and may they continue to find uh, their comfort and their hope in you. Lord, we pray that uh, there would be opportunities uh, for them to continue to connect with our church family, uh, that they would continue to be an encouragement to all of us. Lord, we want to pray uh, as well this morning for our Vine Project team. Lord, over the past months, uh, the team has been reviewing uh, where our church is at uh, and it's been a time of great gladness because in that we've seen uh, your faithfulness to us the many ways in which you bless uh, and provide for us over so many years. Lord, we, we want to pray uh, now for the team as they uh, look to the future uh, and uh, try to discern ways in which we as a church can be effective uh, at growing in your word, uh, at growing learners of Jesus. Lord, we pray that our church would uh, be a place where many hear his name uh, and find life in giving themselves to him. Father, help us to, uh, to want this, to uh, yearn for this, 
uh, and to think well and clearly about how we can grow as a church in this. Father, we do want to pray uh, for the community around us. Uh, In the news and all around us we see and hear of uh, the difficulties that many people, many families face. Father, we live in a a beautiful place and yet for so many the day by day uh, is a struggle. Uh, There's wrestles with unemployment, with poverty, with health issues, uh, with all sorts of addictions. And Lord, we just want to pray for our community. We pray that in your grace uh, you might raise up opportunities to break some of these cycles, that you might raise up ways to provide relief to those who struggle in so many ways. Father, we know that the greatest need uh, of our community is you and so we pray that uh, there would be ways in which our towns, our our suburbs can hear of you and the hope that is in Jesus. Lord, use us to this end. Uh, Help us to be great heralds and ambassadors of you that you would be known uh, through and by us. But we pray that you would also uh, show us ways in which we can be a material blessing uh, to, to those around who are in need. Father, open doors for us to, uh, to, to help and to show to those in need the same grace and love that you've shown so generously to us. Uh, lead us in this, we pray. Father, we do thank you for that grace you've shown us. And now as we turn to your word which uh, speaks that grace to us, we pray that we would hear your voice. We pray that we would see afresh again the wonders of your love and mercy in Jesus. Uh, change us, we pray. Encourage us, challenge us and renew our passion to live wholeheartedly for you in everything that we do. A God of mercy, hear our plea. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open our Bibles now and read. Uh, we're going to turn to First Peter chapter 4 and read the opening six verses of that chapter. I'll read it since you lost your mic. Yeah, (laughs) It's all good. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll start at verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you who have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry, they think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Just so far, please um, yeah, keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at this, this passage in some detail. There's some verses in there that are a bit hard uh, and strange perhaps and hopefully uh, you can see as we work our way through it uh, what they're all about. Uh, way back when I was in year eight, um, we had a school camp just a bit up the coast. Um, we went to Sisters Beach, beautiful place, um, great spot for a camp. 
Uh, and in the, the about week that we were there, the teachers had one plan, one, one big uh, thing for us to do, and that was to do a hike. Um, it was going to be a long-ish hike, not a, not a hard one, we were told. Uh, we were going to head off into Rocky Cape National Park. They said it's going to be two, three hours, you know, long-ish, not super long. Uh, so we set off. As a, as a class, I think there was about 50, maybe 60 of us, and our teachers decided that we would go at the pace of the slowest in the class. That seemed like a good idea, um, but the slowest in our class was very slow. And so after about two hours of going very slowly, uh, we were a little bored. We hadn't gone very far, we were, we were a bit bored, and the teachers kind of gave up trying to keep us in one group, and we just spread out, each going at their own pace. Um, by some sort of miracle, I ended up at a group in the front. I think I was actually fit when I was in year eight, as opposed to now. Uh, I was probably hungry as well, and all our food was back at camp. Anyway, we were off. We were setting off down this path. Never walked the track before, but we were told it wasn't a long walk. Two or three hours, we couldn't have had much to go. And we were told it was an easy walk. There would be nothing that would challenge us on the track. And so it was for a while. And then it started getting a bit harder. Uh, it started getting a bit steeper. It started getting hard to even find where the track was. Uh, there seemed to be all these other tracks and, and different pieces going all over the place. And we started getting confused. Hang on a sec, this was supposed to be easy. Uh, this wasn't supposed to take very long and we've been going for hours. What's going on? And we started questioning, are we on the right track or not? Have we made a mistake somewhere down the line? Well, what do you do? I mean, we're only in year eight. Uh, no offence to our year eights. Not the brightest time of life. <laughs> hey, I'm reflecting on myself here. It's just true. What do you do? Well, you just keep going, don't you? Uh, it was hard. Uh, we went for a long time and hours later we finally stumbled back into our camp and didn't end up on the news or anything like that. It turns out we were on the right path. It's just the teachers were wrong. <laughs> it's very satisfying to realise that. <laughs> now in Peter's, day, in Peter's day, the Christians that he's writing to are asking similar questions. Are we on the right path? Because it's getting hard. It's, it's getting tough. Are we heading in the right direction? Is this what's supposed to happen? Now maybe you too are in a position where you're, you're asking those questions or sometimes asking those questions. You're trying to live for Jesus but things are hard. It's causing difficulties, there's, there's challenges, maybe issues at work, maybe tensions in your relationships. Could it be possible that you've gone wrong somewhere down the line? That you've taken a turn you weren't supposed to? But what Peter says to us today, what this passage says to us today is, Assurance. Stay the course and look at your hope. There's assurance for us. But there's also a challenge in that. If your life as a Christian isn't hard, then why not? Could it be that actually you're the one who's off path? As we've seen throughout the book of 1 Peter and as we're going to continue to see as we finish it up, the, the, the life of a Christian, of walking with Jesus, is meant to be hard but there is a hope 
that runs through it and with it and above it. And that's what we're going to see this morning uh, as we open up this passage. Now in all of this, in all of these discussions, I think our expectations uh, tend to play a huge role. Um, as, as humans, as just people, we don't deal with the unexpected very well. <laughs> uh, whether it's good or whether it's hard, it, it throws us. Um, that's why on our walk as students, unexpected difficulty threw us. Uh, it confused us. And that's why the passage starts as it does, because it brings us back to something that we have seen time and time again working through this book. Uh, the theme that has come up over and over, look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Number one, uh, verse one, sorry. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Remember Jesus. Remember all that we've seen of Jesus through this book. Remember that he came and he did the will of God. He always obeyed God. Remember he entrusted himself to God even though following God led to great hardship and even to death. Remember what we saw about Jesus just last week, 1 Peter 3.17. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died, literally suffered for sins. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Not only uh, is he your hope of life, your hope for forgiveness and for eternity, but he's also your pattern in life, uh, following him, doing his will and as a result, suffering like he did. Look at him and see your life in light of him and therefore arm yourself with the same mindset that he had. Uh, steal yourself for what's ahead, for not only the doing of God's will, but suffering, but paying the cost for it. It is good to do God's will. It is better to do good and suffer for it. Jesus did for you and you will for him too, if you follow him. Why? Why? Well, it's all part of the life of following him. We're told uh, in verse 1 that those who suffer are done with sin. Now, that doesn't mean that if you suffer for Jesus instantly after that, you're perfect and you'll never wrestle with sin again, uh, if only that was the case. No, instead, what that means is explained for us in verse 2. Look at, look at verse 2. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Um, it's a bit hard to, to kind of get the connection between those verses. There's actually no full stop there and there's actually no words as a result. Uh, verse 2 just kind of flows straight out of verse 1 and it's describing what verse 1 actually looks like for us. Uh, it's saying you've made a decisive break in life. You've made a decisive change. Uh, if you're in Jesus, you're no longer of the world. You're no longer of sin. You're in him, you're, you're in God, you're not who you were. Remember, you're, you're a new people, you're different. And your suffering is a sign of all of that. Your suffering is a sign that you're following Jesus. It's a sign that you've broken with the world, that you've broken with your old way of life. If you're hurting, it's a good thing, it's a good sign. Uh, over the course of my life, I've had a few massages, several massages you might say, 
Um, some for relaxation, most often for injury, which <laughs> seems to be the way it goes. Uh, but if you've ever had massages, you'll know the key, the key to a good massage is finding the right masseuse. Uh, if you get one who's too timid uh, or too gentle, it's just a pointless exercise, isn't it? You know, you don't come out feeling better or you know, more relaxed. You just come out feeling a bit oily, <laughs> nothing else. But if you get a good one, it's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? You know, you know you've got a good masseuse when you're, you're grimacing a bit. You've got to grit your teeth because it hurts, it's uncomfortable. But then, you know it's working. You know it's doing what it's supposed to be because it's hurting. And what Peter's telling us here is the same's true of Christianity. If it hurts, it means it's working. It means you're on the right path if you're facing hardship. Now not, we need to be very clear, not if you're doing what's wrong. If you're doing things that are unbiblical, if you're standing on things that are unbiblical, if you're not uh, living as Jesus did, if you're not showing the love that he did, that's not a good thing. As we saw uh, a few weeks back, it's not good to suffer for doing wrong. That, that means nothing. It's, it's pointless. But if you're trying to do what's right, if you're trying to make choices for Jesus and follow him and do his will and obey him and it's still uncomfortable and hard, then take heart. You're on the right path. Jesus suffered despite being perfect, despite doing God's will in everything. Arm yourself, steel yourself, prepare yourself because if you follow him, you will suffer too. It doesn't mean you're off track. It doesn't mean you're in the wrong. It's instead a sign that you are following Jesus, that you have decisively broken with sin and worldliness. So keep going. Stay the course. Now maybe that's a thought that makes you feel uncomfortable. And it should. It should make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? We're, we're willing to suffer. We're so willing to suffer for some things. You know, We'll go to the gym and it will hurt, but it's good, so we keep doing it. Uh, we go to work and we, we pay all sorts of hours and make all sorts of sacrifices to, to gain what it is we've set, set our heart on? Are we willing to suffer for Jesus? Have we resolved ourselves to the cost of following him? Because there will be a cost. How do you respond when the choice is before you? Maybe, maybe you've been in, in this situation. Uh, your workmates, maybe your friends, maybe family uh, are about to do something that doesn't fit with following Jesus that you know you shouldn't do. How do you respond? How do you, what choice do you make? Uh, do you just join in because it's easier? Do you maybe make excuses? Uh, you know, I've got to go home. I can't, not this time, maybe, maybe next time. Because, you know, excuses are simpler to explain. Or do you tell the truth? I'm a Christian. Now, I follow Jesus. And so I can't. Uh, it might lead to confusion. Most likely it will create tension. Maybe it will even lead to scorn. Are we willing to pay the cost? Here in a hundred other places, are we willing to pay the cost? It's hard. Let's not pretend otherwise. 
It's awkward. It will lead to more difficulty perhaps. But it is better to suffer for doing good. But let's flip it around. What if your Christianity is costless? What if you look at your life and you can't point at times that you've suffered? Or you can't uh, identify places where you've paid a price for following Jesus? If instead you look at your life and you see uh, a life of avoiding those costs or avoiding those hardships, if that's the case, you really need to ask yourself, is it genuine? Is my following genuine? Because there is no such thing as a costless Christianity. There is no such thing as a life of following Jesus without suffering for it. If you've paid no price, you need to ask yourself, have I really broken with worldly ways to follow Jesus? Now that won't look the same for all of us. There'll be different costs to pay, different paths to walk, uh, different hardships to face, but there will always be a cost. There will always be a price. It won't be easy and it won't be comfortable. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. When you follow with Jesus, you break with the world. You can't have both, they're heading in opposite directions. And when you break with the world to follow Jesus, to take his cause, it will be noticeable. Uh, Have a look at verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. Uh, Peter says that the time's for you. You've done enough of that. You've been there. Now maybe, maybe you don't have the same dramatic conversion story uh, as it seems the people Peter was writing to had. Maybe, maybe you don't have that, you know, so clear-cut uh, before and after. But regardless there should still be a difference between you and the world. And not just a difference, but a growing difference as well. Because as we've seen, as Peter's told us again and again, this living hope that we have in Jesus results in holiness. It results in Christ-likeness. And so it results in a gap between the way you live and the way the world lives. A difference. And that's going to cause questions. Look at verse 4. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Dissipation is a strange word. Um, The same flood of of sin, of of evil ways, of non-Christian ways of living. That's that's just what he's talking about. Now, that, that break, that difference, it might be an opportunity. We saw that last week. It might be an opportunity to speak of the hope, the difference in your life. But Peter says now, it might also just be an opportunity for them to heap scorn on you, for them to speak abuse about you. It might lead to hardship. Uh, It's like when the first guy in a group of friends uh, gets a serious girlfriend. I I don't know if this is how it works uh, for girls, but I know for guys, you've got a group of friends, the first guy gets a serious girlfriend and things just change. Things just change. All of a sudden, not around anymore. 
not available to do things on the weekend. I can't come out, sorry, I've got plans. I'm busy, unavailable. And what do guys do? What do guys react? Well, we're a little cruel. (laughs) Under the thumb, (laughs) on a short leash. Uh, He's whipped. You know, (laughs) we mock, don't we? We we mock Uh, until you get your own girlfriend. You think, oh, wow, I had no idea. But it's, it's true, isn't it? Not being in that situation means you just can't understand that change. You, you, you can't comprehend it. And that's how the world is going to look at us. We're in a new situation, we're in a new relationship and the world, can't, the world won't understand it because it completely changes us. It changes who we are, it changes how we look at the world. It changes how we look at ourselves and how we look at eternity. And for the world that's not going to make sense. They're going to think we're crazy. They're going to let us know that we're crazy. But their mocking means little. Look at verse 5. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. All of us are going to have to give an account to the judge. And what matter is their mocking and their scorn when the judge of the living and the dead is our friend and our brother? and our Saviour and the one in whom we have a hope. Look at at verse 6. But this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according according to men in regard to the body but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Now it's a bit, there's some tricky stuff in there. It's it's oddly worded. Um, We're not being told, let's be clear on this, we're not being told there's a second chance uh, to choose to follow Jesus after death, that flies in the face of everything the Bible teaches elsewhere. Um, it even flies in the face of verse 5, just before it, where we're told the dead will face the judge uh, rather than face conversion. Instead, let's remember the context of what Paul Peter's talking to here. He's talking to people who are mocked, uh, people who are scorned for their faith, for whom following Jesus has become a hard path, Uh, a great price that they've had to pay. Uh, And the passage is talking assurance to them. It's saying that these people, in verse 6 here, are believers. Uh, People for whom the gospel was preached to uh, who have now passed away, who are now dead. Uh, According to their bodies, they've received the consequence of sin, that is death, but because they've got a hope in Jesus, they now live according to God. I mean, you can imagine the situation that that Peter's uh, readers or listeners are in here. They have chosen this hard path. They've chosen to follow Jesus and to live for him. They're they're paying the price and they're getting mocked for it. They're getting scorned by those uh, with whom they used to walk. And you you can kind of picture what was being said to them. You know, you you Christians, you you say no to all this stuff that's really good just, just for the sake of this Jesus. Uh, you live this, this harder life, this kind of sad life, and then you die just like the rest of us. What good is that? Oh, it's, it's kind of why I'm not a vegan. Uh, if you're a vegan, no offence. Like, credit to you, uh, hard choice. But it, it's not the wrong choice. It's not the choice for me. Uh, if I look at veganism, it just looks hard and it looks unenjoyable because all my favourite foods have animal involved in them. <laughs> Somehow. See, from my point of view, veganism looks like a life of saying no, uh, of working really hard not to eat in certain things, and for what? 
And to a non-Christian, Christianity must surely look the same. For Jesus' sake we say no to all these things that the world says are really good. For Jesus' sake we, we pray this price that's sometimes high, that's sometimes very hard. I mean, at the very least you give up your weekend, well, your Sunday morning at least, and all these other costs as well. And even though you live for Jesus, just like anyone else, you die. What good is it? Who would choose that? Well, Peter says, yes, but. Yes, you die. Yes, you pay a price. But you have a hope. You have a hope that goes beyond death. Those who die in Christ live in God. Your hope is not that you follow Jesus, suffer and die and that's it. Your hope is that you follow Jesus, you suffer, you die and it opens up into an eternity in God, in utter perfection. Be assured you will suffer and you will pay the cost of following Jesus. Breaking with the world will result in enduring its mocking and its scorn. Uh, You will be misunderstood, you will be ostracised, there will be costs, your choices will be limited you will face hardship simply for the fact of trying to do the good that Jesus calls you to, but you still have a living hope in him. Not just in this life, but for an eternity to come as well. The whole world will be called to account for its life and will face the judge and you will be rewarded for yours, for following Jesus for choosing a harder path and walking with him. Uh, As Peter started the letter, where we saw a couple of months ago, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. There is your assurance. Uh, You will suffer, you will be mocked, but know your hope a hope that is greater than death and a future that is far more glorious than any cost you will ever pay. But again we have to just flip it around for a moment because in that there's a challenge for us as well. Are we living for the riches and the glory of the world or are we living for the riches and glory of eternity, for the hope that we have? See, it's very easy, isn't it? Uh, we're surrounded by worldly values. It's, it's so easy just to, to slowly absorb them, even without noticing, to, to take on the same sort of worries about death that the world has. Not necessarily a worry about death in itself or a fear of what it would be like, but instead a fear of what it would bring, a fear of missing out or maybe of losing out. You know, how often do we hear, I'm not actually ready to die, I'm not ready for all of this, I haven't... X, Y, Z... We have a fear of getting old even. We have fear of limitations that it brings. The things that we'll have to accept that we don't want to. And how do, how do we respond to that? Well, we, we kick against it, don't we? We, we push back, you know, make a bucket list. We plan all the things that we, we have to do before that comes while we have the chance. I have to go here, I have to see this because one day I won't be able to. Uh, we even laud it to one another. Oh, that's a really wise thing to do, isn't it? How sensible 
you know, you've, 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 you can just, you've earned your dues now, you've paid them in the past, go out and get it. It might cost you to do all of that, but that's okay, now's your chance. But why? Why live like that? Is that, is that the hope that we have, to grab all the opportunities we can in this life, uh, not to miss out on anything? Have we no better? We're called to a harder path, to be willing to suffer, to be willing to pay a cost just for doing God's will. Not in order to miss out, but because better is coming. Of course, enjoy the world, enjoy the blessings God's given you, but live for your hope. You have an eternal hope, you have a glory that far outweighs it all. Live for that. It is infinitely more precious and infinitely better. And trust yourself to God, whatever the cost, wherever he leads, and be glad in him. For he will never let you down. The harder path that he calls you to has a better ending. The easy path is easy for a time, but painful forever. The harder path, Jesus' path, is painful for a time, but glory forever. Look to Jesus and see your hope in him, your salvation, your eternity, your life secured and see the example he is. Arm yourself, steel yourself to live likewise, to pay the cost with your hope in view your hope that is that good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to see all the more clearly just how glorious, just how good Jesus is and how wonderful the hope that we have in him is. Father, may we see it in all its beauty May we see just how precious it is and how good it is to live for him and for the hope we have in him. And Father, with that, with that hope, with him clearly in view, help us to be willing to pay the cost for living for him. Help us to be willing to suffer, to endure uh, the scorn that will come. Lord, you know uh, how hard it is for Jesus himself endured it for us. And so may you help us to arm ourselves with the same attitude, to break with our old life and live for him whatever the cost might be. May we be bold in this. May we be glad to pay this price, knowing that you see this, knowing that uh, we live in you, not only in this life, but in forever. In his name we pray. Amen.